This podcast is brought to you by The Goodnight Nurse. Hi, Em, we're back. Hello, we are back again, and we have a very special guest. Dr. Justin Harrison, registered psychologist. Well, I've done a few of these. I can't be that special still. <laughs> you are. You're always requested to come back. Oh, oh you said nice things. <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves Justin. Keep that up, my hair will grow back. <laughs> <laughs> so, Justin, what are you here for today? Well, I'd like to talk about compliance routines. Oh, confused already. Oh, yes. good. Excellent. <laughs> well, I've got a name for this one. What's it called? It's a bit of a play on the Justin and also the topic about let's call it Just Do It. is not brought to you by Nike yet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so what does the what does those big words mean? Well, compliance routines are a bit of a script for giving instructions and increasing the chance that your child will comply. This all sounds a bit military, but a compliance routine is predicated on the idea that about one third of the time your children won't comply. And we need to accept that. If your child, by the way, as a side note, if your child is complying with every instruction all the time, I would take them to a paediatrician immediately. Because there's something wrong with something, something, something not quite right there. Children will not comply all the time. They're not supposed to. It, it would be a bit wrong. So having said that, our game is to increase the likelihood of compliance, especially when it really matters for their learning or their safety. Mm-hmm. And this is such an important topic, Emma. Uh, we were, t- were touching on this briefly with one of our previous podcasts where we talked about in order for us to keep our calm in situations, we mm-hmm. kind of need to know what we're going to do uh, when we have to deal with those difficult behaviours. Yeah. So that's the sort of stuff you're talking about, isn't exactly it? Exactly that. So the whole reason that I see parents become very negative, very angry or escalate is because they're on the back foot. Mm. They've been caught out. They don't know what they're going to do next. The kid turns around and goes, or what? And you don't have an answer. Mm -hmm. And so then you emotionally escalate and you fall into that power assertion. I'm bigger, I'm louder, Um, you know, I brought you into this world so help me, I'll take you out of it. (laughs) You know, you start saying all sorts of silly things and... Not only does that erode the relationship, but you accidentally teach the child that the best thing to do when you disagree with somebody or they won't do what you want is to assert power. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we've seen what sort of leaders that's thrown up in our world and it isn't very healthy. So, you know, compliance routines are a way for parents to, one, plan how they're going to give an instruction, check that the instruction is reasonable, sensible and doable Mm -hmm. and, most importantly, comprehensible. Mm -hmm. And in the event that the child does not follow the instruction, what are you going to do? That's fantastic. So just touching on that, would you use a compliance routine when you're getting a child to start a behaviour or when you're getting them to cease a behaviour? Both, but slightly different. The compliance sort of routines that uh, I 
tend to encourage parents to practice, although, look, it can be anything, but, again, just look if it's working or not. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to experiment. Mm -hmm. But as a basic structure, I'd say if you want a child to stop doing one thing and start doing something else, like put those away and come along for your bath, two-part instructions, a little longer to comprehend depending on the age. If you're talking to a 16-year-old, well, you know, they should be bathing themselves. But if you're, <laughs> but if you're talking to a three-year-old, it might take a few seconds to sink in. Some kids, depending on their personality, will immediately say something like, no, I don't want to. Mm -hmm. And so we ignore that. We just give the instruction. And if it's to start something, give it a, so five, it might be five seconds, might be ten seconds, depends on the age of the child, and give the instruction once more. Okay. And then if they don't follow instructions, then you decide what sort of consequence. And we can get into that a bit more later. If it's a stop instruction, it's a bit simple, simpler and easy to comprehend. So you do not stand on the couch, please. You need to sit your bottom on it. Okay, that's a stop instruction. You need only give it once. Now, you only need to give an instruction once if you're giving instructions correctly and by correctly I mean that you are 110% confident they understood you were in proximity they were looking at you you use simple language there's no doubt in your mind they heard you so if you yell it from the next room that's not a compliance routine and that's what I was just going to say is I hear from other parents that they really start to escalate when they're finding they're having to give the same instruction over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. uh, but th those little pointers that you've given are, are really helpful, aren't they? Because you want to make sure that that message has really sunk in. Do you know what everybody, kids and adults, are really terrified of? The thing that scares them more than anything else. It's the thing in room 101. Vacuum it, cleaners? No. <laughs> no. I'm, I'm, I'm going to demonstrate. Are you ready? Ready. Okay, so silence. Dead air. <laughs> Dead air. It's, it's, it's death on the radio. It's death. So if I approach my child and give them an instruction and I'm close and I'm looking and they're looking at me and I'm just letting the awkward silence hang for a minute, they say, I'm not getting away with this and this person's got a fair idea what's going to happen next, oh, but I don't. I like this. And so they might go, no, and you're just tapping yeah, yeah. That is and so they get this sense that the person I'm talking to is, is serious. Mm -hmm. They're not distracted. All their attention is on me. Mm -hmm. I think the gig might be up. So <laughs> might be time to switch that PlayStation off. So yes. what you're saying then is is not only about delivering the message, but then not just getting up and going into the no. next room and doing what you were doing See anyway. See it through. See it through. Okay. Yep. And so the compliance routine gets this down to a process, a technology, if you like. And the reason I use a dry word like technology is I want it, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to be as dry as chips when you're doing this. No negative emotion, no frustration. You know what's going to happen next. And I'd like to talk to you about how you get to that nice and dry delivery in a mm. second. But it's very important that you see it through. You're there to see a job done. So if you yell it from the next room and get on with cooking dinner, they know you're distracted and they know that nine times out of ten you're going to forget about it. So they've got another five minutes before you remember, hey, are you in the bath? And I'll fess up, I do that all the time. But while I'm doing that, I can't expect good compliance. Mm -hmm. And so that's... So if I want better compliance, maybe I need to give better instructions. So I want to go back to something that you said before um, and that is 
limit the number of instructions or be very, very clear mm. on your instruction depending on the age of the child. Absolutely. Now, one of the most frustrating things as a parent of school-age kids is the child not getting ready for school. So if you're to give a four-year-old kindy child, for example, an instruction, get ready for school. Not a prayer. It's just not going to happen. What they're going to hear is stand naked in front of the television with one sock on. <laughs> That's not technically naked. <laughs> well, technically, no, you got me there. Yeah. There you have me. Yeah. <laughs> but so that you need to be really explicit in what you're asking. So you need, do you need to ask one question or what, give one instruction at a time? Yeah, well, things like routines or cleaning up your bedroom you know, or getting ready for school, a four-year-old isn't going to know what that means or be able to remember. And that's where I find routines up on the wall. So um, you've brushed your teeth, great. What's next? Show me. And get them to tell you. Yeah. Yeah, because let's face it, besides attention, kids want power, and they want power because they don't have any. So they're teaching you what the reset routine is. You can even play a little dumb. Oh, I forget. No, oh, for heaven's sakes, Mum, I've got to get my lunchbox. Oh, okay. Well, thanks. Off you go. So, so in that sense, yes, you you one step at a time, and you really can't expect them to be able to carry around three or four instructions and tick them off mentally. They'll yeah. see something shiny, and it'll be all over. Yeah. Yeah. At what age could you expect them? I know it's probably hard to to give exact ages because there is such differences across mm. children as well. But I guess I'm wondering when could you increase that to giving multi instructions. Watch the kid. Simple as that. If they're very easily complying with a single instruction every single time, try to and see how often you get compliance or see how often they see something shiny halfway through and wander off, you know, and think, okay, well, they're probably not ready. And we do that with toilet training. I say, you know, give it a go and if it's just not working, don't get frustrated. Maybe leave it a little while. You know, they're just not ready. And that's some of the best advice I ever got, actually. Mm. But, yeah, so I would say watch the child, you know. So you're thinking about seven or eight, they should be able to handle the two-part instruction pretty well. But people mature at different rates. Does that go Watch your kids when they hit teens? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a... finding that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can't wait to talk about counter-control. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's another yeah. podcast that yeah. I'm going to be talking to you about. To it. Can't wait. Yes, yeah, so... So compliance routines are a way about taking the urgency and the sense of being lost. So when parents are giving an instruction again and again and again and they're not getting compliance, we really need to look at how is that situation. And again, you're going to fall into an escalation trap. You're going to go in, assert power, you'll get what you want, which means that what's bothering you goes away and your own sort of angry behaviour gets reinforced. And so you become angry all the time. So it's one of the ways of getting out of that. But with a compliance routine, I'll run you through a very simple example. Let's say I want the child to put their toy away and come for a bath. I'm going to go into the room when I'm doing it well, and I don't always do it well. We don't need to get my children in here to tell you that. I don't always do this well. But when I really need good compliance, I'll go into the room, I'll get within arm's reach, I'll make sure they're looking at me, say, I need you to put this away now and come along for your shower. And I'll let it hang. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going anywhere. And then they'll usually you'll get if you don't get compliance, but that'll get compliance in about 60, 70 percent of cases. That's it. I know you heard me. You're putting this off now, and we're going to have a shower. It's not a question. That's oh, it. I'm so doing this tonight. Let it hang. <laughs> yeah. And then as soon as they comply, even if they go oh no or grumble a bit, let it go. Don't get caught in the secondary behaviour. Then as if they switch it off and go on, 
thanks, mate. That's excellent. Or whatever, whatever the child finds rewarding. It might be a pat on the back or a smile or, or whatever. But then, you know, chatting and that's great. We're having a nice time together and it was nice to comply. Everything was cool, you know. What do you mean about the secondary behaviour? You don't get stuck on that secondary Well, eye rolling, you know. So some kids will be a little, will comply behaviour, but they'll want the last word. And as long as you get the last action, give them the last word. As long as it's not a mouthful or, you know, a form of speech that is forbidden in the house and then, no, that's not okay. But, but, you know, if they, you know, the sighing, don't you sigh at me, young man, and now you've got a whole different argument. Let it ride. Thank them for, for, you know, doing what they're asked. Restore the goodwill. And they'll think, okay, well, complying wasn't so bad. Well, and don't let anybody lose face. Mm. Remember, well, we all want to save face a little bit, and the older kids get, the more important this gets. So, um, so, you know, if you make it this battle of wills where one loses and one wins, you're going to start getting into a resentment game. You don't want that. No, we can all win. Come on, we'll do this together. We'll get it done and you can get on, you know, then we can get on with something else or do something you'd like to do. Let's get it done. And, and so that's about not letting you or the child lose face but, but operate together. And so the more practised we are at that, the more it's just a skill like kicking a footy or fishing or making a souffle. It's you know, a good compliance routine has ingredients and sometimes they'll flop, sometimes they'll work out a trick. So, Melissa, today's podcast is brought to us by the Good Night Nurse. So, who is the Good Night Nurse, Em? The Good Night Nurse, they're amazing. They are a baby and child sleep consultancy right. um, based in WA, but they do work all over Australia and even internationally. Okay, so what sort of work are we talking about? So, in the area of child sleep, so if you're struggling for your child to sleep through the night or you're struggling with issues, issues around breastfeeding or any type of mother craft problems then the good night nurse is there to help okay is there a particular age range well they specialize in newborns right up to six years old but sometimes go into the seven-year-old territory um if it's well it's all very individualized but yes usually zero to six okay and how do people find out about the good night nurse you just need to go on facebook and look for the good night Good night, nurse. Good night, being all one word, or www.thegoodnightnurse.com.au. Now, for all of that, though, sometimes there will be a time when the child just won't comply. Mm-hmm. Now, if you've had a non-compliance in a given situation X twice, then you need to sit down with yourself or your partner or a friend and think about what am I going to do the next time this happens? What's going to be the consequence? So these are the high-risk situations we talk about. Well, yes. Whenever, you know, if, if, if you talk to a parent about going shopping with the kids or bathing the kids and then the parent goes, oh, okay, that's a high-risk situation. This person really doesn't like doing this. Because generally I'm going to have a battle going on or I'm going to have to ask multiple times. That, that's what we're talking about. That's right, yeah. So high-risk, I mean, you're likely to, to have some trouble with compliance. And so, and that's usually, especially shopping, you know, you're out in public, you're on the back foot. The whole idea about a compliance routine and working out what happens when you don't get compliance is to know exactly what consequence is going to obtain right there and then. And if you're not looking like you're on the back foot, 
and people around you, particularly with kids, will sense it. Oh, oh, this yeah. person knows what's going to happen next. I don't, and that worries me. So maybe I'll maybe we'll just go along with what mum wants today, you know, dad wants. And so the uh, trick with the compliance routine is knowing from whether you get compliance or whether you don't, because you've already accepted that you won't always get compliance, mm-hmm. you know what's going to happen. That's really key. Now, somebody asked me, how do you get to that place? I was just going to ask you that very thing. How do we get to that place? Rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Uh, we don't do role plays and psychology consultations just for no reason. The whole idea is to do them until they're boring. So if you've got a friend and you're both you know, struggling with compliance, role play with each other. One be the kid, one time you comply, the next time you don't comply, and so on and so on, and role play them to death. In fact, depending on the kid, it can be fun to role play them with your kids as well. So listen, you know, we tend to get into arguments about this, but I think I've got a better way of doing things, and role play them with the kids, mm. Yeah. So, look, we've, we've all got to get along. We've all got our jobs to do. That so, would certainly help with the, how the older the child is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, after about 13, they're going to think it's so lame they won't have a bar of it. But, yeah. you know, but, you know between uh, six, and, 6 and 11, you've got yeah. a fair to middling chance of getting him involved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but role play, practice. Remember, if we stop seeing this as a moral thing, we could, should just do as they're told. And, you know, maybe they should, but the fact is they don't. Yeah. And so if we just put all that stuff away and think sometimes I'll comply, sometimes they won't, mm-hmm. if I want these kids to do what they're asked to do more of the time, I need to get better at this, mm-hmm. then how can you deny that practice is, is a good idea? If we think of a compliance routine, maybe um, Emma and I talk about a high-risk situation of uh, a child wanting uh, a lolly or a treat before leaving the supermarket, and yet your goal as a parent is to get the supermarket shopping done, get in, get out of there, and not purchase a lolly at that time because either um, you don't feel that it's appropriate for the child to have one or you worry it's going to lead to them not being hungry for dinner. What would be a typical sort of compliance routine that we might look at? Particularly outings are always high risk because you're in public. But as I mentioned, I think I've mentioned this in another podcast actually, that, you know, very often before going into shops, it's good to explain and manage expectations before you go in. This is what is expected of you. And if you can do it, we might have time to do something else. So it might be a pleasurable activity um, you know, it doesn't have to be a food treat and say food treats can be a little problematic. Uh, so you've managed those expectations before you even go in, you know, so that we're not going to be buying anything except what's on this list. That's what we're buying. You stay next to me. You do what you're asked. They get in there and they start demanding this, that or the other. Well, you know, if they're a small child and they're chucking a tantrum and you need to leave, well, you may just have to pick them up and carry them out of the shop. Mm-hmm. But when you get into the car, so then you can have that sort of post-mortem that didn't really work out. We're not going to have time to go to the park. Sorry, we'll have to try again next time. Mm. You know, so it becomes a logical consequence of the rules and expectations for their own safety that you discuss before going in. So we... And how much you discuss depends on the age of the child. That's not much good with an 18-month-old. They're a different case. I mean, there's so much you can do. And but luckily with 18-month-olds, you can just pick them up and carry them out, which is what I would do. So when we talk about compliance routines, it's about parents being able to rehearse, this is going to be the instruction, this is going to be the um, more unhelpful response, then what's going to be the next instruction, Mm. what's going to be the next response from the child, 
how far do we go? I guess I'm wondering to, to maximise okay. the likelihood of success. Well, you know, the, com- the actual compliance routine that we're talking about now is the one that takes place in the shop. You know, I want a lolly, rah, rah. We discussed this earlier. We're not buying anything except our veggies today. So you need to come with me. Mm. Let it hang, is it? And as a, a child's going to throw a tantrum about a lolly, usually it's big enough to lead out of the shop. But if they're going to lie on the floor and cry, I'll usually just step back and let them ride it out. Mm. They can't do it forever. Mm. I've so been that's there. part of your compliance which is yeah. this is what I will do next. Well, I don't tell them, but no. it's, it's most important that you've told yourself. But so like, you when this know happens, what your next step yeah, is. When this happens, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm not suggesting that you should stand back and let your child tantrum. That is entirely up to you. But what is important is that you have told yourself what you're going to do next. You've rehearsed it in your mind. You've maybe even rehearsed it for real. And so it might be a big surprise to your kid, but none of this is a surprise to you. Perfect. And that takes the anxiety out of it for Exactly, the parent, yes. Except that this may very well go pear-shaped because I am out in public with a mm-hmm. kid. <laughs> now, go yeah. back to one of Melissa's favourite things to say is be consistent about it. Consistently consistent. Yes. <laughs> now, of course, to, I mean, to be fair, 100% consistency is not human, but we should play percentage tennis, and by that... What I mean is that the child will learn that, on average, I've got a much better chance of getting the things I like by being compliant and keeping myself calm than losing it. But this is the beauty of compliance routines. If we reduce getting compliance to a technology, and this is the way I do it, I've practised it this way, this has become second nature, it takes my mood out of it. So I give an instruction the same way whether I've had a rotten day, a really good day, a wonderful day, if I'm happy with the child, if I'm not happy with the child, it doesn't matter. These instructions come the same way every time. Mm. And that takes the negatively expressed emotion out of it and increases Mm. consistency, which we know produces not only better behavioural outcomes but better emotional outcomes Mm -hmm. for parents and children. Fantastic. That's brilliant. Again, Justin, another fantastic podcast that that you've taught me something new again. Flattery will get you everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) What are your takeaways from today, Emma? Um, I'm going to leave the consistency one to you. (laughs) But I really love when you talked about for the parent knowing where you go next. Yep. Because if you don't know where you're going next, it's all going to end up in a big shitty. Exactly. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> and I loved that too. That That's a really good point for, from my perspective. The other thing I really loved is when you were talking about how do we even give requests uh, that we really have to pay attention to what we are doing to increase the t- chances of compliance in the you first bet. place. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I could just imagine if we pay much more attention to how we're actually requesting uh, things to be done, then it's going to eliminate having to even deal with those compliance mm-hmm. routines. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, the, the times I'm just thinking while you're talking, the times that the boys aren't complying with an instruction from me, I'm thinking, well, I yelled it from the next room. You know, so I go into the next room and say, hey, hey boys, dinner, and get them eye contact. And they're, oh, righto, and they come on out. Mm-hmm. So I think, okay, well, I did it a bit better. I increased my chance of getting compliance. So really, again, and it comes down to what I know I've said before, which is when we figure out what we're doing, we've got a much better chance of influencing somebody mm-hmm. else. Yeah. 
Fantastic. Thank you so much. Did you um, did you have another takeaway that you wanted to just reinforce to the listeners, Justin? Practice, practice, practice. Don't be scared to role play. It's good fun, you know, and uh, the more confidence you get with what's going to happen next, I think I had a nice catchphrase earlier that came out quite by accident. Sometimes I say the wrong thing by accident. In fact, it's the only time I say the right thing. Um, <laughs> is it, It's not important for you to tell the child what's going to happen next. It's more important for you to have told yourself what is going to happen next. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. And good luck, guys. Go practice. Give it a try and don't be afraid to experiment on your children. Uh, yeah, I love that. Experiment on them. My kids are walking experiments. Aren't they, aren't they all? Oh, um, yes. And learning every day. Like, uh, parenting for me is taken every day as it comes and you learn that I think the kids teach us more every day about ourselves another amazing podcast fantastic yeah thank you so much Dr Justin Harrison thank you for having me it's fun as always we want you back again no doubt there'll be more requests no, you must be getting tired of me by now no, getting no not oh then I'll come back oh shucks <laughs> that's a twisted your arm there no you? that's right you should yeah. see on my arms contorted <laughs> in all sorts of compromising angles right now thanks Sam no good worries good to see you thanks Melissa thanks bye bye where can people find us they can find us at www.thisbloomingchild.com.au and Facebook This Blooming Child not to forget on iTunes and Spotify and wherever you listen to podcasts thank you very much for listening everyone this podcast by This Blooming Child was brought to you by the Goodnight Nurse <laughs>